Welcome to episode 119 of Travel Stories from the Back Again and Gone podcast. And as I'm sure you can tell by the stellar audio quality, yes, this is being recorded in the beautiful home office of Chateau Relaxo, Florida. And tonight, it's the 2020 Travel Year in Review. Thanks for listening. Hello, if you are a new listener, welcome. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. And as we typically do before we get to tonight's topic, it's a quick spin around the interwebs. And since probably June or July of this year, you've heard me exclaim many times that the word of the year should be pivot. And according to Oxford, and if you didn't know, they have a dictionary. According to Oxford, there is not only a new word or words of the year, but there is new phrases like Blur's Day, which captures the way the week just kind of all blends together, Covidiots, and you know who you are if you're a Covidiot, and of course, doom scrolling. And why not? COVID dominates most of our conversations from morning to night. For the first time, the Oxford Dictionary has chosen not to name a word of the year, describing 2020 as a year which cannot be neatly accommodated by a single word. Instead, from unmute to mail-in and from coronavirus to lockdown, the imminent reference work has announced its words for an unprecedented year. Some of the words cited, pandemic, makes sense. Circuit breaker, I think the only time I hear that is when something blows in the house. Lockdown, shelter-in-place, bubbles, face masks, and key workers were all part of that list. Nowhere on Oxford's list or the Merriam-Webster list is the word pivot. So if you had an over-under on that being the word of the year, you, like myself, have lost. The Twin City Pioneer Press gives us this one. Plane lands on I-35 West in Arden Hills, crashes into a vehicle. A small airplane landed last week on an Interstate 35 West in Arden Hills, crashed into a vehicle, I bet it did, closing the northbound lanes of the freeway. The Minnesota State Patrol said the pilot was apparently attempting an emergency landing. I think I would have chosen a different word besides attempting because apparently he pulled it off. The single-engine plane collided with a vehicle, but no one was injured, thankfully. The vehicle was damaged. Makes sense. But police have not released the details of the extent of the damage. Police identified the pilot as Craig Gifford, age 52, who is a member of the U.S. aerobatics team. The circumstances of the emergency landing weren't immediately clear as, of course, the investigation continues. There is a video for this. It is a bit grainy. It was taken from one of the tower cams on the side of the road. But while you're watching cars whiz by, suddenly on the left side of the screen, a plane enters the picture, sets down, lands, admits all of the cars, wonderful, wonderful pilot skills. And like they say, any landing that you can walk away from is a good one. Now, here's one for you, kind of tailing in on that. Have you ever heard that the interstate highway system in the United States must be designed so that one mile in every five is perfectly straight and flat? Now, I've heard this in the past. I've also heard that that one-mile stretch cannot contain any bridges. And, of course, the reason that has always been associated with this was if the U.S. ever comes under attack, those straight, flat stretches will be used as landing strips. Well, I'm not much of a logistics person, but it is doubtful that we would render our highway systems useless, especially during a time of a national crisis. 
somehow I'm thinking that all of the other landing strips dotting the countryside would make be made of better use than totally shutting down the interstate systems. So I did a little bit of research, AKA Google. Uh, some of the references to the one mile and five assertion claim is that it's part of the Federal Aid Highway Act of 1956. This legislation committed the federal government to build what became the Eisenhower Interstate Highway System. The act, however, did not contain any one in five requirement, nor did it even suggest the use of the stretches of the interstate system as an emergency landing strip. All that being said, Craig Gifford on I-35 in Arden Hills, Minnesota, didn't care about any of that and managed to pull it off. I found this one on the Sun, British Airways, and EasyJet, or as they call it, SleazyJet, cabin crew selling X-rated pictures on OnlyFans to make cash during COVID. Like I said, this comes from the Sun, so take it with a somewhat grain of salt, but it does make some sense. The woman believed to be the crew have illicit social media accounts where they have posted X-rated pictures of them in uniform and onboard planes. The stewardesses who pose in their tights on the seats and also in the galley are also flogging, which is, I guess, the European way of selling, flogging used shoes and tights on eBay for up to 180 pounds. No, that is not their weight. That is European currency. Insiders say the number of cabin crew making cash on the side has increased since the start of the coronavirus pandemic. And why not, right? The aviation industry has been probably one of the worst hit with many countries shutting down their borders and banning travel completely. For me, as you'll hear later on, my uh, flights this year barely made it into double digits. An Instagram account called Cabin Crew Used <laughs> was started in July, flogging slash selling underwear pictures and video. But wait, there's more. Many of these flight attendants boast of also having an OnlyFans page. If you are not familiar with OnlyFans, just make sure that your teenage daughter or son doesn't have one. But wait, there is still more. Earlier this month, British Airways announced it was investigating claims that a mystery stewardess was offering sex onboard flights. She was believed to advertise onboard adult entertainment on social media to anyone willing to pay. As I often say, there is a kink or category for most everyone, and there's proof. From the it had to be too good to be true department, and this has been a hit with most all of the travel blogosphere sites in the past week or so. So I'm going to pick on the one from View from the Wing. Man cooks steak in a Delta Airlines laboratory. And there's video. Well, not anymore. A man posted a video on guess where? TikTok, where he cooks a steak in a Delta laboratory. He puts a sterno can in the toilet gross, lights it, and places an aluminum grilling sheet over the seat. He then puts a raw steak on the sheet, pours a little white wine over it to marinate. He plates it, returns to his seat. There is no question, the author says, that he should be banned from the airline and probably charged with a crime if this really happened as shown, especially for, guess what, lighting a fire in the lavatory. And like I said, for a brief moment, you could actually see the video. I looked at it. It did look legit if you didn't know better. First, you can't take sterno on a plane, be it your carry-on or checked baggage. 
And second, I'm pretty sure that the lavatory smoke detectors would have done their job and detected something. I did a little bit of more crawling around the interwebs and found on Renee's Point's website. It turns out that the TikTok video was very creatively done by comedian Marcus Monroe and was in fact faked. There was no real fire, and the look of the fire was created with one of those LED candles that you buy on Amazon and a remote control. And like I tell Jackie on an almost daily basis, the people in this world are so creative. Unfortunately for Marcus Monroe, he really didn't have an end game to this. He wasn't promoting a book, a comedy, a Netflix special, anything. However, it was very, very creative. On to tonight's topic and what could quite possibly be the shortest episode in Travel Stories history, the 2020 Year in Review. So in hopes of filling some time, let's start with the 2018 Travel Review. It was 248 nights in hotels, 61 flights, 16 rental cars, 71 different cities, and right around 28,000 miles on my personal car. 2019, 225 nights in hotel, 53 flights, 22 rental cars, 75 different cities, 20,000 miles in my own personal car. According to my swarm profile at the close of 2019, I had spent at least one night in a hotel during the previous 77 weeks. So drumroll please, the 2020 travel review is in. It looks like 70 nights in hotels, 30 of those happened before COVID. So out of the gate, I was pretty busy the early part of this year, only 18 flights, all business, not a single pleasure flight in all of them, seven rental cars, 31 different cities and 14,000 miles on my personal car. I've been doing a lot of road, road windshield time as they say going up to uh, central Georgia and then all the way down to South Florida the past month or two because I am such a glutton for punishment. Let's see how I did on my 2020 travel resolutions. And every year we do pretty much a New Year's Day purge. We've done it for the last 10 years. In recent years, I think folks call it Marie Kondo or Married after Marie Kondo's book, The Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up. Around here at Chateau Relaxo, we call it the POP, the Pile of Purge, and it typically gets donated to the AMVETS or the Veterans Administration or something. somebody that'll come by and pick it up. Four areas that definitely get my attention is my office, my closet, my nightstand, and my luggage. I know, very exciting, right? My office, absolutely painless. This past year, I added a big, huge, I guess you'd call it a a credenza or a hunt board that has tons of storage or what I like to call tons of places to hide stuff. Next is my closet and my biggest contribution to the uh, pile of purge, which gets donated is do I really need six Oxford blue shirts or can I get by with three for the year? Onto my nightstand or AKA the dumping ground after trips, I typically unpack as soon as I get home and all the really odd stuff from my suitcase ends up in my nightstand, so that gets cleaned up. And then I finish up with my luggage. Typically, we'll start with my DOP kit, replenish my Harry's razor blades. Normally, I will get some kind of solid cologne for Christmas, so that gets put into the DOP kit. Don't forget your dental floss. 
from there, I move over to my medicine bag. I check to see if I've got enough band-aids, whether or not any of the medicine is expired. I throw it out, make sure I have enough airborne, Pepsid, Zantac, Zytec, Benadryl. The whole alphabet goes into the medicine bag. And then I also make sure I have a week or two worth of vitamins. And then the last pouch is my catch-all pouch that has collar stays, chapstick, extra headphones, things like that. Kind of go through that, take a look at it. Then it becomes, do I need to add anything back into the bag that I don't currently have? Typically, get this, the stuff that I remove immediately goes back into the top nightstand drawer. So I don't know if that's really a resolution that falls all the way through or not, but that's what it is. I also purge my phone. All those apps that have a cloud next to them indicating that they haven't been used in a while, they get deleted. But I did have a few travel-specific resolutions for 2020. Let's see how I did. The very first one was get out a bit more in the evenings, especially when traveling alone. Everybody likes traveling with friends and coworkers, and it makes it really easy to go out and do something in the evenings. Be at a local brewery, a sports bar, kill a few hours before you go back to the hotel. Solo travel, it can be a bit more difficult because you have to motivate yourself to go do something. And of course, you can head to a local brewery or a sports bar, but what do they say about drinking alone? I'm not sure, but I'm sure somebody says something about it. Well, this past year on the few trips that I did do, I've started back into geocaching, which is a lot of fun, and I've been packing a fishing rod with me. So I would definitely put a check mark in that, maybe a half a check, because I didn't get out this much business travel this year, but I was able to do some geocaching and fishing. Another thing that I wanted to do was create and post at least one travel-themed video. And for the first part of the year, I was taking a GoPro with me. Never really saw anything that I thought would be interesting for people so but i did actually film a video believe it or not i got a new humidor in the summer and made a quick three or four minute video put it up on youtube and believe it or not four thousand views to to date so uh, who knew anybody would think that a humidor tour was that interesting but i can definitely put a check mark in that resolution is being done we also wanted to add a bit more to our family trips. You know, we typically don't lay around the beach or don't lay around the pool. We're always doing something. But this year we wanted to learn or, or maybe learn a new skill or a task. So uh, since we did not take any family trips this year, Jackie and I did take a couple trips to Savannah. And both times there we attended a cooking class. The first one was pre-COVID or really the weekend before all hell broke loose and they pulled us off the road in March is we took a Southern cooking class at Mansion on Forsyth. This is the hotel that we got married at and there was about 14 people in it. And it's really interesting looking back, there was not much talk about COVID. It was kind of this thing that you heard on the news, but it really hadn't hit home. And then fast forward a few months, we went back to Savannah for our anniversary and took another cooking class, this time at Chef Darren's, which if you ever want to go to Savannah and take a cooking class, I think he has, I know he has a Facebook following, so Chef Darren, check him out. Big contrast, there was about, like I said, 14, 15, 16 people in the first cooking class. In the July cooking class at Chef Darren's, there was only four of us, two couples, myself and uh another couple from, I believe they were from Atlanta. 
And the conversation was focused about COVID and having to wear masks while we were doing the class and things like that. Two completely different cooking styles in each one of the classes. It was a lot of fun. So I would put a check mark in that as being something that I can take off the resolution list. The biggest travel resolution for me in 2020 was to do a better job of monitoring my travel reward program. And here's why. When I started 2019, I took out the American Express Hilton card. My goal, one of my goals for 2019 was to make lifetime platinum with Hilton. And to do that, you had to have 10 years at Hilton platinum status. No big deal. I've been traveling 20 years. The hard one is you need a thousand night at Hilton properties. So my goal out of the gate in January of 2019 was to stay at as many Hilton properties as I could. And I'm here to tell you that most road warriors probably can't tell you their parents' birthdays, but we all know how close we are to major reward program milestones. So I did hit lifetime Hilton platinum by June. So that got checked off the 2019 travel resolutions. But when I checked that off, what I forgot to do was uncheck that Hilton card is the default credit card on all of my profiles, except for Southwest. And so where that came back to bite me was I wanted to achieve and maintain the Southwest companion pass. And so now with all those points still going to my Hilton card, I was losing out on points with Southwest. I think I realized it by early part of September, readjusted all those profiles so that all of the, uh, the travel profiles went to my Southwest card. And believe it or not, by early December, yes, I was able to hit companion pass for yet another year. Then the only thing that remained was maintaining my A-list preferred status with Southwest. Two ways you can get that, 50 flights or 70,000 points. And there's not a lot of great benefits to the preferred status over their A-list status. The biggest probably is you get double points when you fly, plus some free Wi-Fi. As of December 5th, 2019, I was sitting at roughly 65,000 points of the needed 70,000. I knew with the holidays that my December points balance should be, or the deposit should be well over 5,000. I had a couple trips left for December. On December 28th, when they post the balance, I checked my point balance and I was sitting at 69,586. Yes, 69,586. I'll do the math for you. That's 414 points short of 70,000. No problem. I'll call the exclusive Southwest A-List preferred phone line on the back of my Southwest A-List preferred card and plead my case. Well, a quick call later and I was told there were only two ways to get points, a flight or with my Southwest credit card. With three days left in the year, I was not about to get on a plane. Any purchases that I made would not get credited until January. So what did I do? I did like most good Americans. I took to Twitter and sent out a bitch tweet. And believe it or not, after a few DM messages between myself and somebody at Southwest World Headquarters, they did pencil whip me the 414 points and I was A-list preferred for 2020. So this year, yes, I did pay more attention to travel reward programs. Even though I wasn't traveling a lot, I paid a lot of attention specifically to the credit cards that I use for travel. During the summer, I talked about it before, 
Hilton was giving out crazy points, like 16 points for every dollar that you spend at a grocery store. The second that that promotion was over, I started funneling all the points back to the Southwest card in hopes of preserving my companion pass through the end of 2021. Thankfully, Southwest did extend the companion pass for Jackie all the way into June of 2021. So where am I at with my Southwest progress? Well, in this year of pandemic, thankfully, uh, Southwest has extended their A-list preferred all the way through December of 2021, which is nice. And then the other day, I got an email from Southwest letting me know that I am over halfway to keeping my companion pass with a whopping 70,000 of the required 125,000 points. I'm here to tell you there are two chances of me spending enough money to garner 55,000 points in the next two weeks. Those chances are none and less than none. And then we also had to bail on a couple trips that we had planned this year. 2020 was going to be the year of the Kentucky Whiskey Trail extravaganza. Plans to fly into Cincinnati, head down to Louisville, have some friends come up from Atlanta and meet us, and then do the typical whiskey bourbon trail, rabbit hole, Angels Envy, Michener's, Old Foresters, maybe even head over to Woodford Reserve. I've been there years ago. It's a lot of fun. It's a great little distillery. And then the other trip that we had planned was some sort of a Northeast fall leaf tour. I've really become enamored with uh, New Hampshire and that area up there and really wanted to see the fall colors, get a rental car, hopefully something with a convertible top and do the real touristy thing of staying at various bed and breakfasts along the way. We really didn't get too much into the details of this trip because COVID had set in. And by that time, we decided to pull the plug on any sort of an idea of a fall tour. So for most, 2020 hasn't been the easiest of years. I'm sure a lot of us feel like that we have lived a lifetime or two in the last 10 or 11 months. It will get better. We'll get through this. We just need to all do the best that we can. Thank you so much for listening. We had a really good year this year. Listenership was up over 200%, so I thank you for that. Not sure what we'll do next week with it being the holidays. Maybe repost an episode from a year or two ago. But again, thanks for listening. If you have a comment, you can leave me a voicemail at anchor.com. Hit me up, email travelfrick at gmail.com. As I keep hoping to say, travel safe. But until then, stay safe, and thanks for listening. Hey, wait a second. Don't go. Make sure you check out all the blogs over at HypeAmerica.com. From food to travel to just general life humor, we cover all the topics. Thanks again.